track at the wall. We are tied. Look at this. He's landed for I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, drop in the big leg. Over for the cover. It's over. Unbelievable. He got it! The starter! Mike Tyson in! Austin is the champion! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Now the 2-2. Two -two. Well hit down the left field line. Way back and Touch the ball, Drew! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Nostal Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome back to WWE War, Wrestling Above Replacement, episode number nine. I am JT, and joining me as always on this journey is my friend Marcus. Marcus, how are you? Uh, I'm good, and I'm ready for a rumbling tonight. A lot of rumbling, and we are nearing the end of our second season here on this episode. The 11-12 season into the 2012 calendar year, we got three pay-per-views left, so by our next episode... We will be putting uh, a pin in this season, so exciting times ahead. On this show, it is a sabermetric plus-minus style look at every WWF, WWE pay-per-view in history. I'm going with a season view, which means we start with the first pay-per-view post-WrestleMania up until the following year's WrestleMania. We look at that like WWE season, and we do a uh, overall match grade for each match on the card, and then we do a plus-minus system. In a number of categories, the total plus minus nets up the final score, and then we rank all the pay-per-views by that score. Marcus, do you want to uh, name the categories that we use? Uh, absolutely. Uh, we go off of build. Uh, to get my life together here. We go off build, commentary, atmosphere, notable moments and importance, match grades, card structure, rewatchability, and all-time matches. So we'll give a certain number of pluses, certain number of minuses. There's no cap. There's no limit to how many we give in each of those categories. And however it nets out, we'll give the total for that category. Then we sum them all up, and that gives us our total score. So to date, Marcus, we have done a uh, pretty solid number of shows here. We've done, what, 15 pay-per-views so far we've ranked? Why don't we go through and just give everyone a reminder of where we stand? Uh, so in last place right now is Over the Limit 2011 with negative 9. 
Yep. Followed up by Night of Champions 2011 with a negative three. WrestleMania 11 to the negative 0. 0.75. The 1995 Royal Rumble with a 5.5. TLC 2011 at 6.25. King of the Ring 1994 at 6.5. Survivor Series 1994 at 7.75. Extreme Rules 2011, 8.75. SummerSlam 1994 at 9. Vengeance 2011 at 9.5. Hell in a Cell 2011 at 11.5. Capital Punishment 2011 at 13.75. Survivor Series 2011 at 18.75. SummerSlam 2011 at 23. And our number one show to date, Money in the Bank 2011 at 28.75. So doing well uh, right there. <laughs> it's our pace setter by far. And as of right now, our mid-range looks to be still right around that 6-7 to seven score. Uh, it's kind of the, the full current point. So we'll see if that continues to hold up. So we're going to start tonight with the 2012 Royal Rumble, and it's our second Royal Rumble that we'll be covering. Of course, like we said, we covered Rumble 95 previously and finished kind of near the bottom, but I was looking forward to checking this one out. It's been a while. It aired on January 29th, 2012, from the home of this year's upcoming Royal Rumble, 2022, 10 years later, back in St. Louis, Missouri at the Scott Trade Center. So pretty cool. I don't think I realized that. <laughs> they were going 10 years apart. That's a nice note for rumbles uh commentary team michael cole jerry lawler and booker t uh so marcus do you want to go ahead and run down our card absolutely kicking us off in the dark match was yoshi tatsu defeating heath slater in a solid four minutes but that was probably probably decent mm -hmm. uh to kick off the show proper for the world heavyweight championship uh daniel bryan is going to retain in a cage match against the big show and mark henry uh i went a solid three Yes, I like this match uh, a decent amount, so I went three and a quarter. You know, this has been a well-orchestrated feud with these guys because Henry, and we know Henry's show, we've talked about that a lot. For better or worse, that was kind of our fall feud for the title. Show ended Henry's run, and then Brian cashed in, and Brian and Show have kind of been portrayed as friends, so Show got angry, and this really precipitated Daniel Bryan basically turning heel. And leads to an uh, interesting show, like interesting choice to have a cage match open the Rumble with the world title line. But I thought it worked pretty well. I thought all, all three guys have pretty good chemistry at this point. Henry's still locked in, uh, even though his you know best days of this run, not in the ring, but just of this run, are seemingly behind us now as Brian's the pace setter as champion. But this is a match I've actually seen a lot. I think I mentioned before with Money in the Bank, like we had limited um, – uh, when I had cable, I'd only ordered like a couple different pay-per-views and this was one of them. So I had it saved in my DVR for a while. And it was one of those ones where I'd always just throw on when I was like passing out at night. And I, I probably saw that opener like 15, 20 times, but I was like passing out to sleep. <laughs> um, but I always, I always enjoyed it. I thought it was a good way to open the show. And, you know, Brian continues his run as champion. Yeah, it's a solid way to start. And I like the story there with like, you got the two Goliaths in there with, uh, with Brian being the mm -hmm. smallest guy. And, uh, you know, he's, He's trapped in the cage, uh, so he's got to, like, actually face these two big dudes. But at the same time, the cage benefits him if he can actually, like, get up and over. Uh, you know, so I, I liked all the dynamics in the cage match. Uh, pretty solid all around. Mm -hmm. Next up, we have a eight-diva uh, tag team match as Beth Phoenix, Natalia, and the Bella Twins are going to defeat 
Kelly Kelly, Eve Torres, Alicia Fox, and Tamina, I went 1.5. Uh, same for me. Uh, again, this, I mean, I think it was just a chance to get all the ladies on the show, I guess. I'm fine with not getting another Beth Kelly or Beth Eve match out of this, so that's fine. I think you probably could have done, you know, uh, Beth versus, I mean, who's left on the other side, I guess, Alicia, just to do something different. But, again, I mean, I mean, this was fine. I, I think no matter what we got, when you look at this mix of, uh, you know, women talent that we have right now, was probably going to peak around here, <laughs> honestly. Like, yeah, I, I don't know yep. what else we could do differently. They just really need um, – they really need a shake up of this women's division to make anything happen at this point. Yeah. We haven't seen like too many other signs of promise that like any other combination is going to yield much better results. Um, so like they do need a, a shake up and um, I'm curious to see eventually when we do the 2013, 14 season, like does it get any better? Um, or I guess 12, 13, uh, you know, see if it gets any better, but uh, next up we've got John Cena going to a, I guess, a no contest with Kane, or I guess it's a double count out officially. Uh, I went two. Yeah, so I went two as well. This this whole thing, like, again, it feels like we're just trying to give Cena something to do before we get to The Rock, but not have me in the title pictures, so it's the best we come yeah. up with. But it, it would have been fine, but the storyline is brutal, so... Like, Kane comes out and attacks Cena and basically is trying to convince Cena to embrace hate instead of embracing whatever the fuck he was embracing, <laughs> anti-hate. Um, so Cena's like, I'm not going to do it. So then Kane destroys Zack Ryder, who uh, basically is portrayed as Cena's friend, I guess, at this point. And... Uh, basically injures him severely. So, like, Ryder's, like, in the fucking wheelchair and all this other stuff. And Cena, Kane's trying to get Cena to, you know, basically say, if you're not going to brace the hate wall, I'm going to do it for you. Um, and he, you know, Cena ends up beating the shit out of Jack Swagger because he snaps. And just all this nonsense going on. It's going to end with Ryder being super cucked and he's already starting to here. But <laughs> the whole thing is really pathetic because they start to portray like Cena as kind of falling in love with Eve. And that's Ryder's girl, as we'll see as we go on through our next, you know, other show tonight. So this whole feud ends up being just a real train wreck. Uh, one thing I noticed, Kane is back. I think this is a return to the mask, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. So he's back in the mask. And this is where he starts with the welder's helmet as well. I don't yeah, think he had no. that before this. So he's they're at least trying to mix up his character a little bit, which, you know, definitely had become kind of stale. I mean, he had been out of the mask, basically doing the same thing since 03. Um, so it had been time for maybe to go back to a different look. So they at least go and do that. But, yeah, it's... Uh, it's pretty perfunctory. It's going to get worse, but I just, it's continued misuse of guys. Like we talked a lot about it with punk and it continues here with Ryder. Like just, he was super over and had that huge moment at TLC. And within the next pay-per-view of the next month, he's just like a bitch. Yeah. And like, to, to what point, like, is Zach Ryder going to help John Cena get more over? Like, no, like they probably view it as like Cena's going to help Ryder get over, but like not when you present him like this, you know, like not when he's there to like fill up Cena's bump card for him. Like, right. Just doesn't make any real sense. Um, I appreciate like the repackaging of Kane. Like, I think that's kind of cool. Um, and I like I even like the idea of like Kane coming back as like this embodiment of hate. Um, 
that had potential, but like they just don't commit to it. And again, like I don't know if this is maybe a byproduct of the PG era that we're deeply entrenched in now, but uh, they just don't commit at all. Like, and it's just a, a huge waste of like, like you said, like it's keep Cena busy because we all know he's got his mania match booked. So just kind of like throwing something out there for Cena. Um, so overall, a, a disappointment and like a mismanagement of of riches because mm-hmm. you could have actually done something there uh, with everybody involved. But well, it doesn't get much better in here, kid, as next up, Brodus Clay is <sighs> going to face Drew McIntyre. Uh, I was pretty generous. I went 1.5. How'd you feel, JC? Big old zero, dud. Uh, you save him for me at all time, bad, fine, but it, it was not. I mean, it's effectively a squash, but this like still can be a good squash, and I didn't think this was it. Um, it just, I don't know, like Clay just isn't connecting with me just yet, and this has felt jammed in. It's like coming off of that women's match, coming off of Cena Kane. It was like this too, just. I don't know. It's just a really mismanaged undercard. Like, I think there's other ways they could have went about it, especially since they're not shy to do double duty. Like, there's plenty of guys on the Rumble that could have had a second match here on the card to make it pop a little bit more. But, yeah, we're just struggling right now at this point in the show. Yeah, I mean, this is a solid, you know, 30 minutes or so when you got, like, entrances and video packages and whatever else involved. Like, you're talking about, like, 30, 40 minutes of the show, like, just right in the middle, and none of it is really good. Like, it's all below, like very much so below replacement level by our standards. So uh, just just not good. And, uh, you know, thankfully, I think, is this the last uh, Brodus Clay match we have? I can't uh, remember. We'll, we'll have to see I don't know. I know he's at Mania, but. Yeah. Uh, things do get a little bit better. As next up we have for the WWE Championship, CM Punk is going to defeat and retain against Dolph Ziggler. I like this a good bit. I went three and a half. Yeah, same for me. It's a, It's a really good match. Um, and it was good to see like just punk to just get a quality challenger in his own time, not bogged down by other shit. Like this felt very Bret Hart, early nineties, WF title defense on the Rumble undercard mm. type thing, uh, which was good. It felt like Brett Ramon, like type of match, right? Just like a quality world title defense before the rumble, uh, you know, swagger and Vicky were banned from ringside. Johnny Ace is the ref. So we tease a little bit of storyline with him and punk, but we don't really get too much, right? He calls it pretty down the middle. So at least at the end, he counts the pin goes 15 minutes. So yeah, this was, this is very solid. And punk's reign continues to be in a much better place than it was his first go around, um, before it got derailed by the triple H show. Yeah. As a match, it's, it's really good. And we've seen Dolph really on like the, the second half of the season, like really step his game up and be featured and pull in double duty. Uh, we saw him lose intercontinental title last show or the U S title last show to Ryder. So like, I like that this is a natural progression for Ziggler. Like Uh it's nice to actually see the U S champion when he does lose a title to be the next line to get that title shot. Uh, you know, whether it's the world heavyweight or WWE title, um, you know, we'll get into it later, but, uh, you know, I think some of the booking at the end, uh, doesn't do Ziggler any favors. He's, you know, he almost feels like a replacement level body in there. Um, but, you know, we can talk about that later. But as it stands as a match, it's it's very good. Yep. Agreed. All right. And then we get to the Royal Rumble, uh, right. which goes just in an hour, 54 minutes. I, I thought it was a good Rumble. I enjoyed it. I think I'm a little higher than you. I, I give it a four. Yeah, I do not care for this Rumble. Uh, overall, I give it a three. Um, because it does have a lot of like good pops, good surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a lot of bad surprises. 
as well. But, uh, you know, it, it's got some fun moments. And at the end, like, they do get down to business. Um, so I went three overall. I, I Yes. So Seamus wins. He eliminates Chris Jericho last. This was the return of Chris Jericho, of course, when they were starting – uh, he had come back and he hadn't talked, right? We had a few weeks of him just walking to the ring, standing there, and then walking out. Uh, I remember my idea at the time, I remember pimping this. Again, we're still kind of in year one of the Place to Be podcast. Uh, thinking that Jericho would come out at 30 when the ring was empty and win without touching anyone. Because mm. that had been kind of the gimmick they were working, like where he was just doing nothing. So as a return, he would just come out and stand there and then leave. So I thought it'd be funny if, like, as he's coming out, there's two guys left in the ring and they eliminate each other. And he walks in the ring and just wins without touching anyone. Uh, so that was my fantasy booking. Uh, but Seamus wins, who I think deserved it. We've been talking about his come up the last few shows. Those matches with Christian and kind of elevating up the card. So I thought he was a worthy winner. That felt good. The karma stuff was cool with her being in there. And yeah, we had some pretty good surprises. Like you have Road Dogg, Mick Foley, uh, Rodrigo, uh, Rodrigo, <laughs> Ricardo Rodriguez was, was funny. But uh, the bad was Lawler, Cole, and Booker all being in there as surprises. And I guess Booker at least lasts a few minutes and is a real wrestler. But Lawler's pretty washed at this point. Uh, or maybe not, I guess. <laughs> but uh, but pretty pretty much. And then um, Cole as well, of course. Like, yeah. We're just done with him in the ring. So that was kind of goofy. Uh, I think one thing you could say is like there's not a ton of depth. Good thing no. to rely on a lot of surprises. And if you look at some of the names in here... Like, none of these guys feel like threats at all up and down the card. Unico, uh, Epico, Kofi at this point, Ezekiel Jackson, Jinder Mahal, Riley. Like, R-Truth's now bouncing back to win this match. Justin Gabriel, the Usos, Wade Barrett, Atunga. Ooh, you know, like, yeah. but they do kind of stack it toward the end with Orton, Jericho, Big Show, all in late. Sheamus in the last 10. So they put a lot of the big names toward the end, and they rely on surprise pops and some of the theatrics to get through the first two thirds. So, I mean, is it the best rumble? No, a baseline rumble to me is the three. I guess we disagree a bit on that. It's like, to me, like the worst rumble in the world is probably maybe a three or two and three quarter. Like it would have to be real bad because that is like inherently the gimmick itself. So I think even 95, I gave it three and that's probably like one of the worst, obviously. So, um, it, I. Uh, I went two seven five, so to me that would be like the worst. I'd probably go on a rumble. So, and I don't think this was close to being one of the worst. Yeah, it was, I don't know. I just I could, I would be perfectly happy if I never see this rumble again. <laughs> like, and I feel bad because this is like two rumbles that we've covered, and this is the second time of saying that. Right. <laughs> but uh, I guess it's all it's all downhill from here. Uphill, hopefully. Uphill, <laughs> downhill, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> downhill is easier. So for our match grades, the way we uh, total things out is uh, we add ours together and then divide by two to give an average. So, for example, for the Royal Rumble, we have an average of three and a half. I then do a plus minus from the two and a half, um, you know, replacement level match. So for me and you, we consider two and a half to be replacement level. Perfectly fine match. And this averaging of the three and a half gives it a net out of one over replacement level. When you add up all those totals, it gives us a negative point five match grade uh, for quality. So that is not good at all because this is usually a category that can help make or break some of these shows, uh, at least get it steered in the right direction. So coming in already into the plus minus stuff with a you know negative number is not going to help things. So let's see how it plays out though. Let's get to our build. We gave a point for the uh, triangle feud with show Henry and Brian, where Brian's bullying big show. AJ gets hurt as part of that. 
We also give a point for the CM Punk and Johnny Ace kind of cosplaying as Austin McMahon, uh, right down to Johnny having the cutoff referee shirt. So they're really leaning in heavily on trying to give memory of that with Punk being the rebellious champion. Uh, Cody Booker continued their their build and they have their showdown in the Rumble. Uh, Jericho's. You know, being uh, the booking of Jericho's payoff to his return, he ends up making the end of the Rumble, one of the last guys, so pays off the big moment there. Uh, Dolph Ziggler, like you said earlier, working his way up the ladder, so we wanted to give a point to that build for the progression of him. And then Sheamus's build is the sneaky favorite, where going into this, it felt like he definitely uh, was one of the favorites. It wasn't overwhelmingly so, but he definitely had an opportunity. Uh, so that's all our positives. Do you want to go over the negatives? Yeah, absolutely. Uh we gave minus two to everything involving Eve, Ryder, Kane, and John Cena. Uh, we talked about it in decent detail. Um, but overall, just a real mismanagement of everything and just made everybody look bad uh, for everything. So we got that. We've got also, uh, also a wasted Drew McIntyre. I'm not sure if this is the era of them like trying to punish him or what, but um, you know, maybe trying to get him going a little bit. Uh, but one, uh, minus one there. Lack of star power in the Rumble match, and overall it leads to Legends being the most over. We talked about that as well. So um, that all shakes out to a one total. All right. So I, I guess, you know, seems about right. Yeah. Um, like I did like a lot of the positives. Like, I, I think the stuff in the build was actually really good, and I wish they would have leaned into it maybe a little bit more. Um, but it is what it is. All right, let's get into our commentary here. Uh, we gave a point for Michael Cole comparing the Bellas to Harlem Heat trying to troll Booker, which was funny. Uh, Cole doing a pretty good job explaining the Kane scene issues, as absurd as they are. Booker keeping his anger simmering with Cody, so that plays up well based off of TLC and uh, throughout the show. And then uh, Punk being presented with less snark, kind of a made man now. So you don't have Cole shitting on him throughout the show and kind of busting balls. He's, he's more of a legitimate star that they're not going to fuck with. Yeah, it's very refreshing. Like they've kind of uh, pivoted a bit on Punk and how they they are presenting him. Like you said, it does feel like that early Bret Hart run with the title a bit. Uh, you know, the fighting champion and being respected as a wrestler and all that good stuff. Uh, but I wish they would do the same thing with Daniel Bryan. Uh, but unfortunately, they're still calling him a nerd virgin and uh, you know vegan and all this other stuff. Uh, you know, they're still harping on and really not doing him any favors. Uh, we got Cole hyping Cena and rock is the biggest match in wrestling history. Mm. Uh, it's probably just more so the way that he delivers it. Right. Uh, more than anything. Uh, you know, we dinked it there. Uh, we got King and Booker being, uh, horny on main for the diva, <laughs> the diva match. Uh, yeah. it just sets it back, you know, like yes. so much, yeah. like we're trying to make some, I know we're not quite there yet, but we're trying to make strides. Right. And like, this continuous presentation on commentary just continues to push us backward. Yeah. Um, a lot of talk throughout the night about social media followers, whether it was Facebook or Twitter mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever else uh, they're promoting at the time. I think those are the big two. Uh, but yeah, harping a lot on like who has how many followers that got annoying. Constant talk about Johnny Ace to the fact that like it really started taking, taking away from the main event and it spilled over like throughout the whole show. Um, and then we talked about it earlier, but uh, they treat Ziggler as an afterthought during that finishing stretch. There's a lot of, uh, I guess, cinematography going on, a lot of mm -hmm. uh, theater with like Punk and looking at Johnny Ace and what is Ace going to do. And um, Ziggler was never treated as like a threat. 
you know, he gets in a couple of near, near falls to make you kind of like snap back into like the fact of matches happening. But uh, for the, the like the role that Ziggler has been on the last couple months, uh, he deserved a lot better than this. Agreed. All right, so that nets out to a negative one for commentary. So it's been a trend throughout 11-12. The commentary continues to hurt these shows overall, and it's been a drag on on a lot of them. Uh, atmosphere, we love the entrance of Brian and Henry to get the show started, so those are great. The crowd's super hot for Brian. The yes chant is really starting to uh, take over. Sweet matching aqua gear for Beth's team, so that looked really cool. Gave a good vibe to them. Yeah. Uh, the love-hate for Cena all through that match. The crowd was, you know, pretty hot for him on both sides. The crowd is hot for Punk as well. Uh, they were very into the legends and surprises. That added a cool vibe to the match. And they're uh, in awe of Karma, really, too. Like, she gets, like, a lot of oohs and ahs as she comes out and does her thing in the Rumble. So I, I thought it was a pretty good atmosphere show. I thought the crowd in St. Louis really stepped up and uh, bit on a lot of the moments. Uh, they stepped up in a lot of ways and they stepped down a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, they completely die for the divas match, which is not good. It's like your second match of the, <laughs> of the night and it's already crickets. Mm -hmm. Um, the crowd chants loudly, uh, Cena sucks while, uh, Kane is destroying everyone and, and Kane standing there in the aftermath. Uh, the crowd again goes crickets for, uh, Brodus Clay during his entrance, and the crowd is pretty dead for uh, A-Rise Big Revenge in the Rumble. Yeah, not much going there. Uh, but overall, again, atmosphere really helped uh, bump the show up. So we gave it a plus three. Pretty good uh, for the show. And again, they while well, the crowd did die for the stuff, some of the stuff, I felt like it was stuff that was earned uh, and deserved to die for. And the stuff they should pop for, they pop. So mm. they did a good job. It was just more of the stuff to pop for. All right, notable moments. Uh, Daniel Bryan winning with a creative finish of him hanging from show's hands, uh, Beth dominating the division to really stand out amongst uh, the rest of them. The escalation of punk and Johnny aces feud throughout the match with a sacrificing Dolph to keep his job, the explosion of awesome truth and the rumble, Mick Foley showing up for the rumble, uh, Ricardo driving the shit car in was really funny. <laughs> uh, that was, that was a good touch. Uh, Kofi walking on his hands uh, for his annual cool rumble elimination tease. Karma's big moment, arguably her only big moment, I guess, outside of destroying Michelle back at the beginning of our season, Extreme Rules. Um, and then Sheamus's crowning moment to win the Royal Rumble and set up a title shot for WrestleMania. Yeah, um, I didn't really like think about it until, uh, you know, you mentioned it just now. But like Sheamus, he hasn't been around all that long. Like it's he, he got in there, what, the end of 2009, I believe. Yeah, sounds right. Uh and, you know, this is only 2012 and, you know, they're cementing him as a top guy winning the Rumble and giving him a solid build. So uh, kind of cool to look back on that and see him cemented as a top guy. Um, as far as the minuses, though, uh, the Diva division lacks a bunch of challengers for Beth. And I think you can see that uh, in that tag match. Uh, poor Cuck Zack Ryder uh, as the Randy to Cena's rip. <laughs> <laughs> you put there uh, he really was like it was like the same thing they pretty much just ripped off no holds barred i mean you got Ryder in the friggin' wheelchair you know <laughs> seen it with the woman like avenging his beat down looking all pathetic uh um terrible finish to cena and kane mcintyre's burial rough opening stretch uh in the rumble 
uh, like you said, uh, there is a series of guys with just no he He rattled off like a dozen mm-hmm. names of just guys that had no shot of winning and acts that really aren't super over. Um, we got Cole back in the ring. That's always good for a minus one. And uh, we talked about it earlier, but Ziggler looking like just another guy. Right. So that gives us another uh, plus three there for notable moments. So it was a pretty busy show with a lot of stuff happening as well, but also some missteps that keep it from really popping up to the next tier. Uh, match grades, we went the negative half a point, like we said. Card structure, uh, we give a point for the hot opener. Uh, we always, I'll always give a point to uh, anytime they close the show with the rumble, as it should be. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the rumble by the numbers video always hits. That's always a great little bit of business. Uh, I thought the Rumble comedy segment came at the right time. Like, they really needed something to pick up the steam from that slew of, of boring guys. I thought, you know, I, I know we kind of went back and forth on it, but the, the Rumble was well-booked as far as Sheamus winning and leaving the top guys toward the end overall. Like, they did what they could with what they had. And a good long final between Jericho and Sheamus to end the sh- match as well, uh, you know, was a good way to close things close things out. Yeah, that is a redeeming trait, and I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, you know, once... Once it gets to the heavy hitters at the back end of that rumble, uh, you know, your last 10 entrants or so, like the jokes are, are done and they're they're getting down to business. So uh, they do settle in there. Uh, as far as the minuses, uh, a lot of Cena and Rock Mania hype packages, it kind of took away from the flow of the show a little bit. We have uh, a long Cena Kane match for uh, for really having a dumb finish. Like they, they could have had a much quicker match and gotten to the finish yep. a lot sooner. Uh, we have a Be A Star video right after Kane bullies Zack Ryder and Eve. Love that. Uh, Awful. Long- I mean, that like really stood out to me. It's like, you know, Kane is right there beating the shit out of Cena, Ryder in the wheelchair, stalking Eve. Like, and the whole storyline is about embracing hate. He's the last man standing. And then we're right into, yeah, be a star. Don't bully. It's, it really just. Yeah. And it doesn't help that like. By default, Kane looks like the coolest person involved in all this. Right. <laughs> because, like, nobody's really stopping him. Uh, and, like, he's doing what everybody wants him to do because everybody hates this. So, uh, but, yeah. Uh, long stretch of crap with uh, Cena and Kane post-match. Uh, rock video and Brodus Clay match. Rough opening stretch in the Rumble. Uh, we said earlier, but a series of guys with no heat. Just name after name. Uh and, you know, none of them are as real threats to win. All right. So that gives us a, a one net out there. We uh, rewatchability. We gave it the point for the fun rumble. I know it's not one of your favorites, but it, it was an easy watch. I guess you're telling me you never want to watch it again, though. So I don't know. <laughs> maybe we should have got that one. But it, it is fun. Uh, you know, my test is always like if my fiance happens to like walk through the room, if I, if I have it on the big TV um, and like she stopped and she was uh she was amused by some of the antics in the rumble. So uh, overall, I'd say it's fun to the casual eye. All right. And then for negative, we did take away a point for the Cena Kane rider shit. Not rewatchable in any way uh, no. at all. So that, that's out to a zero. We had no all time matches either. So that gives us a total score of 6.5, which uh, I mean, I, I think that's lower than I would have thought coming in for sure. Like just based on, my memory of the show and what you hear about the show. Uh, you know, I think in general, I would have definitely came into this thinking it was going to score higher or be up the list more, but it's going to check in pretty low. I mean, it ties with King of the ring 94 on our list 
And, you know, we talked about it before. We both decided to put it below King of the Ring 94, which to me felt more heavy on the moments, nostalgia and memory. So it's it's a bottom tier show for us. It's right near probably what's going to end up being the midpoint. Um, did this surprise you or was this pretty much what you thought? Uh, it did surprise me because I thought like the undercard and, uh, you know, when I say undercard, everything but the rumble. Um, I thought all of that would have like pulled, uh, pulled it up some more. But really, the only really good match we get is the WWE title match. And everything else just like kind of brings it down. And even though like the opener is really good, like it's not for, you know, it's not four plus. Um, right. You know, it, it's just overall pretty good. So, um, yeah, that that middle like in between the two title matches just really, really bogs down the show mm-hmm. and, and makes it, you know not watchable like i think you have to you know if you're gonna watch it watch the opener skip about 45 minutes get to the wwe title match and then you know if you want to sit around for you know a bunch of legends and and random entries into the rumble that you may not remember you know watch the rumble all right so that puts it like we said right after king of the ring 94 which is what six from the bottom overall uh puts it at 11th so far so whatever uh there but uh we'll see how the show continues or how the season continues to progress as we reach toward the end we'll see if we can pick up steam heading toward mania just a moment what is picking up steam though is the north south connection podcast network we have lots of great content coming at you constantly we've had some new shows show up here in 2022 a lot of your usual favorites are still here and even a little bit of returns in the cards as well. Of course, we're going heavy on uh, working toward PTBN's GWD, Greatest WWE Wrestler Ever Project. You know, trying to focus a lot of content there. Before you know, we'll be heading to our WrestleMania Season 2. So we'll be covering that as we build toward WrestleMania. And just lots of cool stuff. You know, take a moment for us, rate us, review us, share around. Please uh, just do that. And we'd appreciate it. Anything you want to plug, Marcus? Uh, yeah, over on the soon-to-be-named network, uh, myself and my best friend, Tim Taylor, we do a podcast called Final Wrestling Place, where we take uh, the nouns of professional wrestling and we put them into either the good place or the bad place. Uh, as you're listening to this, we might be doing our uh, 21st season. Uh, our seasons are kind of arbitrary, but uh, to commemorate season 21, we were doing things in wrestling that shocked you. Uh, and, you know, I think mine's going to be like, uh, as a child, you know, Sensational Sherry on her knees, Uh you know, trying to give f- uh, f- <laughs> Felicia to the ultimate warrior. You know, things along that, uh, those lines, you know, not, um, you know, some things you might have to dig a little bit to and, and think back. So uh, we're going to try to have some fun with this season mm-hmm. and uh, pull some things like that. But that's over on the soon-to-be-named network. All right, check that out and everything on the North-South Connection. All right, time for our penultimate pay-per-view of the season. That is Elimination Chamber 2012, Marcus. Not a show I really remember it. I know I watched it live, uh, but I did not remember it super crisply. It is February 19th, 2012 from the Bradley Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our usual trio of dunderheads in the commentary booth. That is Michael Cole, Booker T, and The King. And Mr. Marcus, why don't you go ahead and run down our card? Absolutely. In the match we did not get to see, Unico is going to defeat A. Rye, Alex Riley. Time of that match is unknown. Uh, 
starting off the show, we have the Elimination Chamber match for the WWE Championship as CM Punk is going to retain by defeating Mike The Miz, Chris Jericho, Kofi Kingston, Dolph Ziggler, and R-Truth. And that match goes about 33 minutes. Long, uh, very long opener. Yeah, uh, I like when these Chamber matches go longer, um, and I went four. Yeah, it was, a, it was a strong opener. I went four as well. I had some fun moments. This is where Jericho, like, they definitely benefit from having him back in uh, back in the picture to be able to throw out there and, and be in a match like this. Uh, you know, he's a stalwart. He's a North Star in these types of matches. It's a good show for Punk. Just a high-quality, high-level match. Again, we see Ziggler back in the mix as well, right? Still in the world title picture here. So that's been a nice progression for him. And then even Truth and Miz as Awesome Truth. So, like, all these guys felt earned being in this match. Like, Kofi and... Yep. Dolph had been at the top of the upper mid card all season. Awesome truth had been in the main event picture. Jericho obviously is an instant main eventer as soon as he comes back. And then Punk is world champion. So lots to like here for sure. Uh, four stars, a really strong opener, a long opener. And I thought after this, like, hell yeah, like we're, we're riding now. Like this is going to be a great show. Um, but our next match eh, maybe slows that down a bit. Yeah, uh, for the second time, they're going to put the Divas out there. Uh, right after a uh, big time opener as Tamina is going to lose to Beth Phoenix. Beth is going to retain her Divas title. And I went two. Yeah, I went two as well, honestly, which is not bad given the season overall. I think the only w- women's match we had better was that really good Beth Kelly match uh, that should have ended in the Beth world title win. But <laughs> yeah. this, uh, this one wasn't bad. Tamina actually thought showed up okay in this match. And, uh, Beth bumped for her, then threw her around. So this was fine. On the scale of what we've seen for most of the season, I'll take it. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, and just, like, refreshing just to see, like, not Eve, not Kelly Kelly, but, you know, somebody else in there to mix it up with Beth Phoenix. So it was refreshing. But, man, it tells you just how dark this division is right now. Like, they need a shake-up bad or someone to step up and regress. They just need something uh, on the face side. Because Beth is a great heel dominant champion. Like, we're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we're fine there. It's like we just need we need a little bit more, though, out of her for sure. Yep. Uh, I was surprised with our next match, though. Uh, It is the world title elimination chamber match on the SmackDown side of things, as Daniel Bryan is going to retain by defeating the big show. Wade Barrett, the great colleague says Cody Rhodes and Santino Morella. This one, uh, I went to three point seven five. Um, you're a tick higher. You want to, uh, want to ex- explain your case? So I went four and a quarter. I, I love this. It went 34 minutes. It's, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's a good chamber, but man, that finishes segment was amazing. And I think the whole thing is good because it was a Daniel Bryan show and mm-hmm. this is still early in his push as world champion. So it's really cool to see and to have out there, but the Santino stuff I thought was brilliant. Um, and it's on par with the Rumble the year before, where Santino almost won the Rumble in 2011. Yep. But him and Brian just have an awesome final stretch, where Santino almost wins. He hangs on, hangs on, hangs on before tapping to LaBelle Lock. This is the type of stuff I want way more of them to take chances on and do differently in matches like this. Elimination Chambers, Rumbles. like This shit you have every year can be so... Add so much variety and excitement to just do something different. Like, and this was cool. It was like, why not have an underdog story in this setting? Even yep. if he's not going to win, like, who knows? You have enough Raws and SmackDowns and everything else where, you know, it's not crazy, right, to do. Like, who knows? But 
if for nothing else, it was a really fun, happy moment toward the end of this match. And it sets up Brian Sheamus. I just think it's a super memorable spot. I knew exactly what it is when you tell me what this match is, and it's still delivered. And I like the mix of talent, too. Like, I thought Cody showed up well here. You had him and Big Show kind of going through their thing to help set up, you know, their upcoming match at Mania and Feud. And then just again, I thought Santino was perfect uh, in this role right here. Yeah, it's a really interesting mix of talent. I like it. Uh, it's reflective of the SmackDown side of the equation. Um, I like the theme of like Kali and Big Show as you continue on with like the Giants that Brian has to defeat. At the same time, you've got Barrett and Rhodes who have been, uh, you know, I guess like the opposite of like Ziggler and Kofi uh, on the Raw side of things. Like these two have been holding down the upper mid card on SmackDown. Uh, and then you got Santino in there as like this underdog that everybody loves. And like you said, like they should take more chances on stuff like this because like what's the point of having these matches where, well, anybody could win. Anybody could survive. Like you never know how things could go. Well, like I do know how they're going to go because like nobody fun ever wins them. But <laughs> right. like this, this was a good instance of like, whoa, Santino almost pulled it out. Like you had a moment and you, you had like a lot of excitement around that. So um, like, I don't disagree with uh, you going four and a quarter at all. Um, you know, I'm a tick, I'm a tick lower. And again, that's just like probably me not being the biggest Brian guy, like incredible wrestler. Um, you know, I totally uh, acknowledge, you know, his, his greatness. But uh, at this time, like he's probably just like not my guy, but still incredibly good. Uh, but we're done with the chamber matches uh, in a, at a show called Elimination Chamber. Mm. Uh, so next up, we've got Justin Gabriel versus Jack Swagger, uh, for the U S title. Jack Swagger is going to retain. I went two and a quarter. Yeah. Again, I mean, we've seen the same match. I feel like 15 times in the season, two and a quarter, Jack Swagger title on the line against Kofi against Gabriel again. You know, it's like, I just feel like we've seen this like a bunch and they're always fine, but they're just always fine. Like, like there's nothing more than that to it for these. Um, it's just card filler. This feels like maybe earlier in the night type of thing. This card, to your point, is definitely out of whack right now with the two chambers cooked halfway through the show. At the very least, they get the most time. I mean, that's the one positive about these, right? Mm-hmm. Is that they eat up, you know, an hour over an hour's worth of the show in ring. So that's good. Uh, but it definitely felt like there's ways to better balance the show out card structure wise, which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, and in our main event of the evening, we've got John Cena versus Kane in an ambulance match. John Cena is going to win this one. And I went two and a half. Yeah, same. I wanted to hate this more than I did, but it at least had a less of the rider stuff, um, which I, I think kept it a little more, uh, I guess, a straightforward and less bullshit. It, it's still long. It's. 21 minutes like no one really super cares like whatever mm-hmm. but it, if nothing else they just tried to keep cena busy until until mania because rock wasn't going to be there there's probably better guys i could have done something with but feeding him canes not the worst thing i guess and again it, it's a little bit less of the rider eve shit at least during the match so that that makes it a, a little more palatable i went two and a half as well um so overall it nets out to 1.75 for match grades not terrible not terrible but we'll see how it continues to roll out All right. So with that said, let's get into our categories now. 
Our build, uh, we had a point for the Jericho Punk developing story that plays out during the Chamber match and clearly starting to set them up toward a collision course for Mania, especially with the way uh, Jericho had been booked since his return. You could tell they had main event level plans for him. And also uh, setting up show Brian and show Rhodes heading into the match. So kind of the two big, big show feuds coming in. So kind of a paltry build on this one. Not a lot of matches, though, and with two chambers that never have much build, there's not much there. Yeah, uh, and for the minuses, we got a weird mix of SmackDown guys in that chamber match. Just uh, lacking a lot of top stars. Like you said, uh, you know, we're pulling from the upper mid card and even like just a regular mid card with Santino in there and, and a great colleague too. Um, we got the Natty Fart gimmick is going on. Uh, you know, we had a segment there. Lame last minute build to try to get Swagger and Gabriel on the card. And uh, we dinged it one for the Cena, Kane, and Cuck Rider continuation. Awful. So uh, negative two there overall for Bills. So we're not we're not looking sharp uh, already here out of the gate. Shaky, shaky Bills. We'll see if they can pick it up in other spots. I'm not too bullish about their commentary, though, because there's not been a net positive all year. Uh, Cole was on point in the opener with the history and the facts and the story of the chamber. So kudos to him there. Uh, I thought King did a nice job tying in Roddy Piper and Jimmy Sucka to the women's match as well, like just talking about that feud and uh, similarities with Tamina and her dad. So we gave him a point for bringing up the history and not being a horn dog for once during the women's match. <laughs> Have some uh, decorum. Uh, we've got Cole being dismissive of Booker, uh, and it, it just makes him seem like really dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get, um, and then his Cole's, obsession with Ace as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah his, his obsession with Johnny Ace. Um, it almost seems like they're trying to rib Ace with his reported obsession with Vince McMahon. Like, that's what it felt like. Like, they're just trying to to rib, um, and, like, no one really cares. Like, it just came off really dumb, and hopefully they got a good chuckle out of it. All right, so then that's out to a zero, which is probably the best I could hope for on commentary at this point. Uh, atmosphere, we gave a point for the cool chamber-based set. Uh, the huge pop for Jericho, a molten crowd for Punk. The crowd waking up and being super into the chamber once Big Show starts mauling Brian, where that match really picks up. And then the crowd really carried Cena and Kane. It was a it was a pretty bland, boring match, but they did a really good job uh, keeping that one as exciting. Yeah, they, they kept that... Uh way more interesting than it probably was uh, without without that crowd there. Um, as far as minuses, we've got the crowd being completely dead for the first half of the SmackDown chamber, like you said, up until Big Show really gets in there and um, gets his hands on, on Brian and starts heating up a little bit. And uh, the crowd's pretty dead for the U.S. title match. Hard to blame them. Um, not much going on there for that build uh, or even that match in general. So uh, that nets out to a total score of three. All right. So not bad for atmosphere. They definitely needed a positive there. Notable moments in importance gave one for Jericho holding the Elimination Chamber record uh, by, uh, you know, the eliminations he gets here. A great showing for Kofi. It felt like a star builder to launch him for the next season. Uh, Punk with another dominant title win to continue his strong title reign. Uh, the great Santino, Rocky Balboa trading montage. I had the Eugene theme song playing for the background, but I had him throwing up the raw egg. So that was kind of neat. Uh, that was a fun bit. Uh, cool seeing all the future stars in the Cena video. So the one thing mm. on the show, too, they did like hype videos for Cena Rock. And it showed Cena training. And it had a lot of future uh, stars that were in developmental at that point in that video, which was cool to see. Uh, this also had the iconic <laughs> David Otunga selfie pic. If you remember, it was like Johnny Ace comes out with the heels and he kind of does a promo. 
And Otunga steps up and does the selfies, holding the coffee mug, and they're all in the background. And I remember they tweeted it out when it was kind of a picture that floated around quite a bit. Uh, Santina, Santino in the Chambers, an all-time moment. We actually gave a plus two for that because it's so well booked and so well done. And I thought Brian was just amazing throughout the whole Chamber match. So uh, a lot of really good moments on a show that's maybe not remembered for them. Yeah, and on the minus side, we've got the end of R-Truth's push with a quick exit. We've seen uh, his uh, ascent this season, and that looks to be uh, done with with uh, how quickly he was sent off in that chamber match. Got zero heat uh, for Tamina. Uh, the crowd is dead, and no heat for Johnny Ace's GM. Uh, seems to be very little fan investment there. Too much focus uh, on the figurehead stuff. Um it's hard like to get people to really care about like power struggles and who's in charge and well, this guy's in charge now and this is why you should not like him. Um, just too heavy handed with that sort of stuff on this, on the show. And uh, the Hornswoggle cheese segment with the farts and fat jokes oh, and uh, shame and Vicky just, yeah, really bad there. All right. So I actually gives them a five for notable moments. So, uh, it had a lot of negative, but it had so many positive and big moments that it definitely puts it in a good position. So we had a 1.75 for match grades. Now we get to card structure, markets, which we've talked about a couple times already, uh, that we weren't big fans of the way this card was set up. Uh, we did give it a plus, though, to have the opening uh, chamber be really, it was a really good match to, to get the card to a hot start. So we mm-hmm. were cool there. But then things quickly went downhill. Yeah. Uh, the Cena. WrestleMania hype package kind of kills the flow of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Johnny Ace GM segment is a TV deal, not a pay-per-view segment. Crowd just, again, didn't really care about that segment. Right, uh, the selfie's the only good part of it. <laughs> yeah. The second chamber, uh, halfway through the show, just felt really random. Uh, and then because of that, we got a main event that shouldn't have main event the show. Um, you know, right. it, it's been bad and continue to be bad. Even though the match was decent, the storyline is is not really good. So, um, and then we did get another point for the chamber not closing. So I said I get a four, which really hurts the momentum this card had been building with these last couple of categories, and that that's a big hit. And it continues here. Rewatchability. I uh, did give it a point for the second half of the SmackDown Chamber. The Brian starting with Show coming in and wrecking Brian, and then into the Santino stuff. So that that whole back end of that match is a rewatchable, really fun stuff. Yeah, and for the minuses, we got the Johnny A segment, and then everything involving John Cena, Kane, Zack Ryder, and Eve. So, negative one for that. Uh, Not rewatchable at all. No all-time matches either way. So, that leaves this show in not a very good place, Marcus, with 2.75 total score. Oof. You know, I would not have thought this was going to be a bottom show. Like, this is a bottom four show for us right now. Wow. Almost at zero. I would not have thought that because I remember the chamber matches so fondly. They just don't do a lot around it. And the structure of the card just really, really hurts things uh, and takes away from it. And I think that's why the way we do this project is why we do it. Right. Uh, because if you just look at match grades, you would have said, actually, and as we went through them, like, not bad. You know, four, like for me, four, two, four and a quarter, two and a two quarters, two and a half. Like, that's that's a pretty solid five match card. Yeah. For Dodi in 2012, but it's all the intangibles that we factor in as well, which really end up bringing this one down. Specifically, the card structure, which does play a role in these types of things, um, the build, the commentary, like all that stuff really hurt it. And even the big moments weren't enough to, to balance it out. 
No, sad to see. And we've seen other shows that we've covered, like, kind of benefit and use having a, a slimmer card, whether five or six matches. Um, you know, Survivor Series is a good case. Like, that that didn't have a ton of matches, but a lot of stuff really delivered. Mm-hmm. And on this one, you had two really good matches, uh, even great. But everything else just bogs down. And then it's, like, not just those matches, but like you said, it's the intangibles. It's the, the interstitials. It's the promos. It's uh, the backstage vignettes. It's the, the segments. Like, all that stuff just made for a really unwatchable show. Yep. All right. Well, that one's in the books. Uh, so, like we said, that's going to be a bottom four show for us right now if you look at the ranks. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, the only worse than it right now is WrestleMania 11, Night of Champions 11, and Over the Limit 11. So that's a lot of 11s there at the end. Um, and then Chamber is below Rumble 95, which tells you. is it, Rumble 95 doubles it, so that tells you just how much a lot of the intangibles <laughs> did not help this show out at all. Okay, we are on the doorstep, Marcus, on our next episode in two weeks' time. We're going to close out the 11-12 season with a deep dive on WrestleMania 28. Then we'll do our end of season awards and then put a pin in it. And then we'll head into our third season, which is exciting. Any final thoughts? I'm just uh, looking forward to award season, looking forward to uh, who's going to make the uh, the top five and the bottom five uh, teams. And curious to see who the MVP is going to be, because uh, I think there seems to be maybe a runaway favorite. But when you factor in all the shows of the season, mm-hmm. uh, there are some other names uh, that deserve some consideration. Uh, you know, guys like Randy Orton, maybe somebody like Christian. Um, there's a lot of names, I think, to be considered for that MVP talk. So uh, we'll see if WrestleMania can uh, help solidify the MVP race and the other awards that we have to uh, give out. All right, that'll do it for Dodie War. Remember, always live your life above replacement level, and we'll talk to you in two weeks' time. Type of girl that'll make you way proud of your son. And I know you heard the last song about the girls that didn't last long. But I promise this is on a whole new plane. I can tell by the way she says my name. I love it when she calls my phone. She even got a very own ringtone. If that ain't love, then I don't know what love is. It's gonna be a long drive home, but I know as soon as I arrive home And I open the door, take off my coat and throw my bag on the floor She'll be back into my arms once more, for sure, like The most seen, all annoying old man bite his tongue. I'm not done. She's got eyes comparable to sunrise, and it doesn't stop there. Man, I swear. She's got porcelain skin, of course she's a 10. And now she's even got her own song. We're moving on. She's got the cutest laugh I ever heard. And we can be on the phone for three hours. Not saying one word. And I would still cherish every moment. And when I start to build my future, she's the main component. Call it dumb, call it luck, call it love, or whatever you call it, but everywhere I go, I keep a picture in my wallet like you. Take a look at my girlfriend. She's